I'm Lisa Blair, scholar, writer, and international women's consultant. And I'm David Bedrick, teacher, author, and founder of the Santa Fe Institute for Shame-Based Studies. Join us as we break down relationships, drawing from depth psychology, our work with clients, and 18 years together in romantic partnership, diving into the agony, and the ecstasy, of emotional intimacy, conflict, and connection. Let's jump in! This is In Too Deep. Hey, David. Hey, everyone. Hey, Lisa. We are back with a clean conflict part two. Um, we definitely recommend listening to part one before. If you haven't listened to part one, listen to part one and then listen to part two. We're going to have some more points today. David, mm-hmm. do you want to give us a quick sort of summary, catch us up on mm-hmm. what we're learning about this? or Well, think we're about thinking it? about conflict because... Doorways to intimacy often come through conflict. They come through diversity, that our differences, instead of how we get along in our harmony and our first foot, best foot forward, and how that smooths things and how to smooth things out is such a dominant mindset. We want to get along. We don't want to have difficulties. We don't want to have hurts. We don't want to have resentments. But then differences and flows of the relationship get interrupted and deadnesses and underlying feelings in the relationship emerge if you can't get into those spots. And getting into those spots looks like working with conflict. Now, we don't mean conflict meaning I hate you or fighting in a traditional sense. It means that there's spots where we meet and we're not of one mind. And then we meet in somewhat of a tension. And can we do something with that tension to make it open and flower um, in ways. So we've been talking about escalation and de-escalation and other kinds of tips and patterns that go on so that people can start to make conflict, the tension of differences, into intimacy. Mm, Thanks for that lovely summary and way of talking about what we're we're covering here. Yeah, I'm, I'm also, just to add a few tidbits. I'm also thinking we're talking about ways of bringing in more self-awareness to conflict. Um, The way I would also say it, we sometimes differ on how we talk about these things, David, but I would also say how to be more genuinely respectful of your partner in conflict, of style differences, of really hearing what the other has to say, and really genuinely sharing from your, your, your truth, your heart. And, and then the last thing I would say is I actually am thinking of this in terms of not just conflict in general, but also moments of what we call fights. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, we're kind of, this could apply to both uh-huh. general relationship conflict and actually the moment of a more heated quote unquote fight. That's just where I'm thinking about right. it. Yeah. We're not starting with a bitter sweet today because we wanted to jump in yes. <laughs> to completing a set of tips and points and discussion spots from the last one. So Yes, great. So we'll skip that, and we'll just go straight into our next point. Yep. And this one is about, this is um, probably more geared towards, if you remember in part one, I mentioned that some people are more on the spectrum of not really having a lot of conflict 
and or not being very comfortable with it at all. So it doesn't, it it's not very overt in the relationship. It might be more tension in the background, mm-hmm. whereas there's other people on another end of the spectrum where, where they have more heated regular conflicts or fights. So this is more for the, for the former. Um, and there's a tendency in folks who don't, who aren't as comfortable, don't feel maybe as skilled at conflict to say sorry too quickly. So they have a conflict with their partner, the partner gets hurt, says something or accuses them of something. And as a way of trying to deescalate the conflict and make things better again and bring it to a nice, we're okay, status quo, they say sorry, either they don't mean it or they don't mean it yet, or they're saying it before their partner has really had a chance to fully express their hurt or their position. And that can make the partner feel unheard or dismissed even. And then the one who's saying sorry is is kind of going, well, I said, I'm sorry. Like, why do you keep talking about it? I said, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But what may have happened is they said it a bit too quickly, kind of jumped the gun. Mm -hmm. Why do you think people do that? Why do you think people are so prone to saying, oh, I'm sorry, so quickly in a way, or before something happens? Yeah, it's a good question. I think generally speaking, it's just a discomfort with sitting in a place of tension and conflict. Mm -hmm. That it's painful, it's uncomfortable. Uh, Shame and guilt can come in. Mm -hmm. Self-criticism can come in to the person who's, say, being accused, you know, the one who would say, I'm sorry, they might be thinking to themselves, I can't hear anymore because I'm feeling too bad about myself. Mm, mm. Or I can't stand that there's tension between us. I just want it to stop. I just want to say sorry and get back to feeling good together. Mm, that's deep. So I think there's a variety of possibilities there. Um, or... And this is not as as kind a, a thought, I suppose, but I, I think there's probably also instances where people kind of don't want to hear what their partner has to say about something, and so mm-hmm. they're kind of shutting them down more quickly. That's going to be harder for, probably for some people to notice in themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's touching. What, about, what do you think about that? <clears throat> I'm just feeling in my body, what do I do when I'm at a, Doing it well, if you can call it that. Mm-hmm. And what I was noticing is, if you said, David, you did this thing and mm-hmm. hurt my feelings, I notice when I'm trying to be more available, present people call it, my body goes from leaning forward to leaning backward, mm. as if my body is saying, you have space now mm-hmm. to bring whatever you want to bring. So it's not a, so I'm quiet in a way in the outside. Um, Yeah, I'm leaning back, making space, being quiet. I'm thinking this is an important moment Mm -hmm. for you to say various things. And if you say only a little, then I might even open that space bigger. Mm -hmm. Say more. Tell me more about what happened. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about how you felt, why that was so difficult Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And the amazing thing about that is, because that's a practice of mine in many different areas, because I've, as a teacher, 
I've gotten lots of criticism. You know, over the years, people, some students want to critique a teacher and they right. have good points to make. Yeah. And not all, but many people are so satisfied by having that space. Mm. I don't need to do anything. Make amends, try to fix it. Sometimes if it's a bad hurt, I may need to make some amends. But a lot of times a person really just wants that space to say more. And it's so rare, actually, that someone says, wow, I want to know what happened and how that was for you. Even if I disagree inside with certain things, um, it's a healing moment. Yeah. Not that, not that this is necessarily about us, per se, <clears throat> But I just want to say, you are particularly really good at what you're saying, mm. at what you're talking about. You're particularly really good at making space for when I, I'll, I'll just use myself, have some have something to say around, I was hurt by this or this mm. bothered me or something like that. It, it's um, like notable for me, noteworthy how, how much you're able to mm. do that. That's a really high skill. I am not quite as good at that, I've mm-hmm. noticed over the years, as, as you are at that. And, and yet, there are still times when um, you've really heard me, you've said, I'm really sorry about that, I really see what you're talking about, and I'll notice I still have more I want to say. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm only sharing this for the sake of mm-hmm. listeners who might be interested Sometimes I'll say to you very, very directly, I'll say, I, I really know you've said you're sorry. I really feel it. And is it okay? I just want to say a little bit more about what, what happens for me there. Mm-hmm. So I, what, why I'm metacommunicating about that is because I don't want you to think that I haven't heard your very sincere apology and really taking in what I'm saying. I've heard it, it registers, it's meaningful, and I still want to share more sometimes. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. for what it's worth for folks out there, that, that's, a, that's mm-hmm. a tip to be able to still say more but still respect mm-hmm. when you actually feel like your partner has heard you. Mm-hmm. But, but gosh, it's really tough. Like I find it really hard to do this, actually. It goes back to what you said. In a way, your opening about the apology implies that many of us use the term sorry as a closure. Yes. Let's close. Let's yes. not continue. Let's stop. They're not trying to do that. Right. But it's a closing statement, right? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Now we're done. Like sorry ends the conversation. Yes. Um, as a signal. Yes. Yes. I grew up in a family that had a lot of violence in it. Mm-hmm. And I brought to mostly my mother, sometimes my father, but mostly to my mother, my upset mm-hmm. and they were so unopen mm-hmm. to what I had to say that um, something in me was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? So that was kind of a conscious commitment, pretty young for me mm. um, to not do that particular thing yes. that was done to me where I felt like I didn't get heard. Yeah. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think personally what can be hard for me around it is the is dealing with the inner criticism and i think that's true for a lot of people mm-hmm. um this that comes up for me in thinking gosh i did this thing mm-hmm. that hurt you 
Do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, I know in general, that's like something people can talk to their, you know, a therapist about or a counselor about whatever. They can talk to somebody about what comes up for them when their partner Mm -hmm. actually says, hey, this hurt, and they really genuinely feel badly about it and and listen and say sorry, but then there's remnants of inner criticism. Any Mm -hmm. quick thoughts about that? No, I don't have quick thoughts. If I were... If someone like a student or a client said that to me, that this criticism comes up, then I'd want to hear what, I'd have to hear what goes on inside of them, Mm, mm -hmm. what that criticism is and what the story is behind that criticism to see if if that's a very potent area related to a more potent scene in their childhood or a repetitive scene, Mm -hmm. then I think it's going to be difficult to get around that criticism and they just might need to be like, I can hardly handle hearing very much mm-hmm. for a little mm-hmm. point in my life, little bits at a time, or it may take me a day to process mm-hmm. to get back to you, but mm-hmm. I can't hold in a momentary interaction. Mm-hmm. And then a person, I guess you just get humble and say, I'm caught here by an old story, yes. but I will ponder yes. or reflect and get back to you when I can really hear mm-hmm. and think about it. I, I've got the words in my head, but now I'm going to have to um, wrestle that through. Nice. That's good. Thanks for that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the next point we're moving on to is, look at my notes here, um, is <clears throat> the idea of different styles in conflict. And particularly, and again, this, this one might apply a little bit more to people on the end of the spectrum that are not as comfortable in conflict slash don't have it as overtly as others. So this would be insisting sort of unconsciously, of Mm. course, insisting on a style that is too tame for your partner. Now this is a, this is, has some potential provocation in in talking about this right because we're not saying it's okay to be you know violent to be physical to be overtly hostile in fact we're trying to talk about ways to avoid uh being more hostile in one's tone and Mm -hmm. and style but at the same time we want to make some room for the fact that sometimes people have a style of for example Let's only take turns talking. There can't be any interrupting. Or we can't ever raise our voice. Um, things like that, when there's more rules like that, and I know there's even like things like nonviolent communication where they tend to, you might know more about that, where they tend to not do those things. But, but basically, it can, be, it can feel stifling, suppressive, controlling if there's too many rules or unconscious Mm -hmm. defaults around this is how we're allowed to have a conflict we can't raise our voice we can't get upset we can't uh interrupt one another ever gotta use i statements right gotta use i statements only judgment right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i just want to bring in just another a slight difference in your framing Mm -hmm. because some stylish one issue is making things too tame but another might be a person needs to say conflict needs to be uh gentle for me to handle it true you know and true. Has to, there's, i have a my range of 
emotional freedom mm-hmm. is smaller mm-hmm. relative to um, yes in terms of how far out we can go yes or my sensitivities can't handle beyond a certain range I guess that would bring, bring up a difference right if I were more mm-hmm. loud and fiery and mm-hmm. you were more sensitive yeah what are we going to do with that particular yeah and we have that difference and we and i've brought that up we've talked about that many times over the years about my you could say tolerance for a certain level of heat yeah uh is is different than yours and and how that hits my body and sensitivities around that we have differences you and i around that and i know i'm sure a lot of people do have differences like that Thanks for correcting the framing on that. I think that's an important point. So really what we're talking about is stylistic differences and conflict and tolerance levels and stuff like that. And I, and I think the reason I emphasized this part of it is because it's counterintuitive to what I think a lot of people might think, right? So there, there's, there's a pretty generally approved idea out there that's like conflict shouldn't get violent of course right we don't we want to avoid that violent verbally physically whatever so of course we want to avoid that most people would be in agreement about that we don't want it to get too hot and i'm trying to bring in an a, a, a somewhat controversial alternative view that also says and if we insist that it's too tame that's also problematic, and that mm-hmm. should be said. It's an important thing. It's a diversity issue, really. Mm-hmm. That a style, like a, there's a mainstream style, we could say, which tends to be more white, tends to be more patriarchal, right? Um, and Christian, in a way, you know, it's mm-hmm. sort of like this is the way you do it. This is moral. This is good. This mm-hmm. is the way to be. This is what loving is. Mm-hmm. And so people hold those ideas. New Age folks have some of those ideas also. Let's make sure it's peaceful. Don't anybody upset the other person. You're mm-hmm. talking stick to the other deer. Wait, wait your turn. And all these kinds of rules that hold things. Mm-hmm. And then are unaware that those are more white patriarchal, mm-hmm. you know, um, styles. And, um, and that they don't fit everybody, even if you're not white. Even if you are white, they still don't fit everybody. Mm-hmm. So they create a certain way of being. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm glad you bring in the sort of white patriarchalness of that. Because again, there can be really good things about that side, about erring on the side of being more careful mm-hmm. and considerate and very mm-hmm. intentional about one's language. Yes, and for, say, uh, this could be true for a man too, by the way, but for a woman person, let's say, who hasn't brought out her voice as much, who needs more oomph to say things, or a, or a person of color, or somebody from a cultural background who has um, more zets in the way they express themselves, then having to stay within certain parameters they might not ever express what it is they need to express Mm -hmm. with the genuine feeling behind it Mm -hmm. um yeah it could stop Mm -hmm. the conflict from actually unfolding if they have to follow too many guidelines Mm -hmm. yeah i'm thinking of all the times i've worked with couples where one person thinks 
the other person is being too strong, mm -hmm. too forceful in their words and in their conflict. And invariably, if I ask the person who's coming out, quote unquote, too strong, are you holding back? Not are you letting stuff go free and that's why the strength, are you holding back? And invariably they say, I hold back all the time. Fascinating. You mean the person who's coming off stronger and rougher and more fierce is actually holding back? Mm. And we're just catching a little glimpse of the door opening for their expression. So it's a fascinating thing that a person needs more open door. And then mm -hmm. how do you create safety for the other person? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That becomes a question. That well, becomes a question. If, if, I'm a, if I'm a facilitator, then I could say, talk to me as if I'm that person. Or tell it to the ceiling, tell it to the sky, mm -hmm. express your fury out into the wind, but let us all hear something so that it doesn't get directed at a person. Or that other person says, I would need to be curled up. Go ahead, curl up. Do you want a pillow in front of you? So that we're honoring the need for a kind of safety and we're honoring the other side. It's a profound learning. How it do really you is. speak? And then how do you listen? I remember learning, I think it was from Arnie Mendel, um, when I had strong things to say, to not look at the other person directly. Yeah. I'm not being indirect. I'm looking up. People can, I'm looking up and going, ah, I'm so upset, but I'm not looking at the, I'm looking up at the mm -hmm. sky. It's not meant for the sky, but now the other person hears and sees and feels my expression, but they don't feel like the energy is coming right at their body. Um, that's uh, so true thing. that's a great mm. i'm so glad you bring that up mm. i'm thinking of a time it wasn't a superheated conflict we were having it was more lighthearted, if that's possible in, in a conflict but i remember us coming into actually the room that we're in right now is a fairly yeah. large-ish room with taller ceilings and i remember we were having a conflict we were trying to loosen it up around the conflict a little bit so we could say some things that we felt shyer to say we didn't want to hurt the other person but we wanted to say some things and what we did was we stood next to each other not facing towards each other mm -hmm. we stood next to each other and we took turns saying things to the room like you never do this da 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 i wish you would da 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 da, da. right mm -hmm. and so that there was a very conscious sense of i don't want to fire this right at you but I want to say it mm -hmm. and I want to say it with some strength. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was one way that we dealt with that. Yeah. Um, given what you're saying. Yeah. I, I'm thinking that, that this is, this is an important topic for say a couple or two friends or two family members that it's important to actually have a conversation about this, mm -hmm. which is to say, Let's talk about our different conflict styles. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about our differences in terms of how comfortable or not we are with this, about what each of our needs are around how we go about doing this, right? Mm -hmm. How much we can handle. Yeah. How much emotional range is comfortable for you to express, to be on the other side of. Mm -hmm. And maybe some history. Yeah. You know, I had a rough this or a rough parent or we never spoke roughly in our home or we did a lot or... Just so that there's a container for mm -hmm. that. Yeah. That would be an incredible thing to do in a workshop. 
Mm-hmm. What are you used to? What did you grow up with around conflict? Mm-hmm. Volume, emotion. Mm-hmm. Was it violent? Did people never say anything? So mm-hmm. How did you know there was a conflict mm-hmm. going on if, if no one said anything? Yeah. Um, my family, we knew when there was going to be a hot moment when my father got quiet at mm. the dinner table. Mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, <right? laughs> I can kind of imagine. He got quiet, and that meant... He was Uh-oh. brewing, Ooh. right? The and kettle was, like, was, the was, kettle was the steam was starting to squeak out. <laughs> and we out. knew at some point something could blow. Oh, and, boy. interesting? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Cool. Cool. Great discussion. Yes. The race discussion also yes. would be worth, I don't want to go into it now because it's, it's, it's not just one point within this thing. It's a longer discussion mm-hmm. about styles that are more mainstream mm-hmm. that are communicated as if they're better. Mm-hmm. This is the right way in a better way, in a more moral way, in caring mm-hmm. and loving way. Mm-hmm. And it weaves into a kind of supremacy, meaning mm-hmm. I presume that that's a good way in a moral way. So if you're not doing it that way, you're not only different, a diversity issue, but you're less together, less psychologically sound, less morally caring, and less, love, less loving. So a supremacy idea, that's very hard to say, but that's what sleeps in. Yes. This is the better way to be, though. Yeah. And um, some yeah. people don't realize that under the mm-hmm. banner of caring and peace and harmony and nonviolence are, have a background idea about what is, what is that way. So you're bringing that up, the diversity issue. Such a good point you're mm-hmm. saying. And before we close, before we go to the next one, just a quick thought that came up because of what you just said. If you're in a relationship with somebody who you know you're from different cultures, that's really worth keeping an eye on and having a conversation about your different conflict styles because there there may be similarities, but there may be stark differences. So if you already, it's like if two wasps or two Jews or to African Americans or what have you, then the, you might ha- you might have similar styles. You might not, but if you already know you're from different cultural ethnic backgrounds, it's worth talking about your different styles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Next point. Mm-hmm. Next point is about taking breaks when things get heated. So um, I bring this up because I've talked to many couples, clients of, of mine about this need when things get really hot, um, or, or there's just re-injuring is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, when things aren't getting anywhere, you keep talking about the same things over and over again. The, mm-hmm. In, in process work, we call that cycling. We're cycling in a, in a, um, in a conflict where people keep, we keep getting back into the conflict and keep going over things again and more hurt is happening and the point here is that if somebody says i need a break then my thought about that and david love to hear what you have to say about this my thought is that should absolutely be honored done we're taking a break stop but it's hard for people to do that so if somebody if there's some sort of agreement in the relationship like if somebody says we need to take a break or they have a code word or whatever it is where they say we need to step back. Then I say, take a break for at least 10 minutes, preferably more like 20 to 30 where people can go to separate spaces, 
They can start to breathe more deeply. If they need to cry a little bit, they can mm. cry. If they need to write in a journal to get their Touching. thoughts or just close their eyes or listening, listen to some soothing music, something to regulate the nervous system a little bit. Mm. Um, so I just wanted to bring in the concept of taking breaks. Mm-hmm. I love those ideas you're giving. Breathing, journaling, crying, regulating. Mm-hmm. I don't think of those things as often, <laughs> right. but that's really good to hear. The thing that I'm thinking about around the taking the break is and cycling conflicts that are just going over and over mm-hmm. is sometimes both people feel strongly in a conflict that could happen, right? That's part one kind of conflict. Not just you're telling me something that you're hurt of, but I'm also upset with you. You're upset with me. Mm -hmm. So we enter in a rather strong way. I have something to say that I haven't said well or fully, and it wants to come out. And you have something that you want to say that wants to come out. And then what's missing from that point is a listener that I'm not really here to listen Mm. I think I should, and it's good to listen, but I'm really here to say something, <laughs> and I need to. So that's just right. And then you're really here to say something. I want to be understood, or I want to make your point, and that's just right. But then there's no listener, so you won't be satisfied mm. because I'm not listening, you're not listening. There's not body, there's not a facilitator, a third party who's saying, I heard that, Lisa, I got that. David's not going to hear you right now, but I got it. So at least <laughs> the satisfaction of being caught, you threw it, right. somebody in the pitch, and the other person caught the ball. Yes. And then I got it. Yes. Um, and when a facilitator does that, everybody hears anyway. But um, mm-hmm. in that place, there's no listener. So the, it, the conflict can't complete, it can't resolve, because both people want to be heard and nobody's going to be heard. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Eee, the sky maybe needs to hear, or a tree needs to hear. Like we were saying, right. talk to the roof, talk to the sky. Spirit, God needs to hear. I don't know, something needs to hear. And there's no listener at that time. And nobody can do the job. And it's not right for me to do the job because I've been listening and I have something to say. And it's not right. Right is the funny word. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? But it's mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. right if you in the moment. It's always good if someone can do that. Sure. But it's not exactly right to put away your point and be only a listener in some moments. In that moment, then, the break can be really important because it's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get satisfied. The voices are not going to get satisfied. The listening mm-hmm. is not going to happen. It's a humbling thing. Yeah, I can think of times when we've been that way. Oh, yeah. And it's been important for us to know nobody's really here, right. unfortunately. Yeah. And it's like humbling for me and for the relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really can't hear each other. We really can't. Not more than repeat words back, but we really can't make space to say, I'm going to take in your point of view, feel your pain, get the message and the criticism you're giving to me. I can't really do it. Yeah. Maybe the inner criticism thing that you're talking about. Right. And, um, Maybe we need to break. Maybe we need another person here mm-hmm. who's going to help that happen mm-hmm. because it's too much for mm-hmm. me to take given how much I have in me. Mm-hmm. It reminds yeah. me of, of I think it was maybe the first point we made in part one, uh, the part one episode of this topic where we're talking about um, when your partner accuses you of something and if you can take some moments to actually see how might that be true for me, even if I didn't mm-hmm. intend it. And I guess what we're talking about here is one of those times when you're not able to do that, right? When, when 
when there's like counter accusations flying back and forth and yeah. no one's able to, like you just said, to stop and listen and actually hear what's happening and actually attend to that, that accusation or that injury in that moment. Mm-hmm. And both people are needing to, to accuse or both people are needing to be heard and no one's on the other side. That's fascinating, mm-hmm. right? It's like, like you said, there's no listener. Yeah. yeah. Do you think I, I'm just trying to think out loud here with you? Is it, would that be the main or the only reason for the conflict cycling over and over? That there isn't somebody there who can. No one is in the listener role. No one can actually hear what the other is saying. Mm. Or are there other reasons? Probably others. I hadn't thought about it. I mean, yeah. it, that's a clear one to me. Yeah. In terms of my own watching myself in conflict with you or working with people when I can see no one's there to hear and how important it is for me when I'm facilitating then to do that hearing mm-hmm. out loud. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing it. This is what I'm getting. This is what I'm feeling. Then even the person who's not listening, so to speak, on the other side is vicariously listening right? because I'm taking that particular time. Yes. Um, why else would a conflict cycle a person might not ever say what they have to say mm. Mm. like they're not quite getting to the heart of it yeah they're saying things around it but they're not actually getting to mm. the essence of what really is upsetting or something yeah did we talk about being direct something around being we direct. did talk about being that direct. Word yeah we did in the yeah. first one right because people have edges as you know to mm-hmm. be direct and some people feel like i finally said it and then i'll say what did you say and then they'll tell me something. I'll think, that's not a direct statement. Well, I mentioned this and I mentioned that and mm-hmm. I mentioned what happened on this. Other, you know, Did you ever tell them, this doesn't work for me? Right, <laughs> or, right. that was the particular spot. Or I got hurt at this particular spot and I need this from you. Yes. And the person's like, no, why would I need to say that? I, I told them something or other. Right, that's so true. I know, yeah. I wish I had an example. But you're, mm-hmm. so, you're so right about this. Like people... I find in my work with people, they think they're being a lot more direct than they actually are. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I remember because they know yeah. what they're they know what they're feeling and what they think they're yeah. saying, mm-hmm. but they're not actually saying it. It's yeah. interesting. I used to do a lot of of uh, organizational work working with managers, <clears throat> um, and conflict was a big thing because they. I would usually get called in if there was a conflict between the manager and that manager's staff, employees, right? And um, and a lot of times the managers were not able to be direct, so I would work with them. And then like an employee would then come to them for like, let's say, a performance review. Yeah. And I'd say, how did you do? And they'd say, you know, well, I, I, this, I really told them for this time, et cetera. <laughs> and then I'd talk to the employee and they'd say, I'd say, how did they do? They said... I think they're really happy with my performance. And I'd say, how did you get that? And then I listen, I said to the manager, like, tell me what you said. And then it'd be like, look, you know, I don't really want to say anything upsetting because your really work is really good. And it's not like you've done anything wrong right. because I think you're great. And, you know, you're important to this organization. Right. Now they're going, <laughs> all this stuff, right? And then they say a little thing and they say, but, you know, I want to tell you, though, that this shouldn't affect you and you shouldn't feel bad about right. this. So the person's thinking, I guess I'm doing pretty well. Right. And the manager's thinking, I really gave it to them, you know? <laughs> It's really true. <laughs> It'd be really funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, it's kind of like, it, I think we've talked about this in an episode before, about the tendency for for couples especially to feel like 
their partner should be able to read their mind. Oh, yeah. You know, um, it's the same thing in conflict. It's like we think, well, isn't it obvious? But it's assume it's not. Yeah, right. <laughs> assume you have to really be clear about <laughs> yeah. it. Okay. So the last one, which is fitting for it to be the last one, is about noticing what we call momentary resolutions. And that is, it, it actually is sort of a, a natural progression from what we just talked about around the need to take breaks and or how to deal with what, we're, what we just said was cycling where something goes over and over again and we're not getting to kind of the heart of the matter. It keeps recirculating. And so one of the things that happens when a conflict or a fight is, um, is cycling, is you're going over and over again, is that you're not noticing when there are moments of natural closure. And it's not, it doesn't mean closure in the big sense, like we've worked this whole thing out and it's never going to come up again. That's why we call them momentary resolutions. Some, some mm. more specifics would be like when you start to feel the closeness is happening, when intimacy starts to enter in again, mm. there's a sense of we're starting to feel closer mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. That's a natural de-escalation moment. It's a natural potential for a momentary resolution. When one partner understands the other or you both understand one another better, that would be an, an example of a momentary resolution. When similarly, when one partner apologizes and or seems to get it, it's like, oh, I'm getting that. Then the other partner will feel more heard and satisfied. And in all these examples, there's a sense that the energy is starting to quiet down or settle a little bit when there's sort of a natural pause, that kind of thing. So noticing the point here is to notice those moments when momentary resolutions might be happening so that you don't get back into it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your thoughts on that, David? I love that list of momentary resolutions and the distinction that you started off with of just because we're, something looks momentarily resolving it doesn't mean that whole issue is is resolving in part because some of the bigger conflicts are around larger more long-term diversity issues we really are different in these ways um i really do have long-term issues that i'm working on that you could be i can hurt you because i haven't worked them through and i might not work through that mm-hmm. this month mm-hmm. i might take me a decade mm-hmm. You know, I'm 66. There are issues that from my childhood that make me rougher at times that have gotten slowly worn down, more aware, gentler over decades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I still can be a little rough at times, mm-hmm. but a lot less often, oh. a lot more aware, catch it a lot quicker, yeah. make amends a lot quicker. But it's not like, oh, that's rough style. I shouldn't do that. And that's gone mm-hmm. because there's a history Mm-hmm. A history of uh, intergenerational history, a family history, a cultural stylistic difference. Mm-hmm. And those don't resolve, the longer term thing doesn't resolve in a, in a conflict. Mm-hmm. It resolves over a longer period of time by finding our way with those. So I, 
I'm glad you say that so people don't think, why are we having this conflict again? Right. It shouldn't be only, I have conflicts with myself regularly, you know? Right. I didn't do this well. I didn't do that well. It's the same conflict I've had internally for my whole life. How come it's still there? How come I haven't resolved it? It's resolving. Mm-hmm. It's an overtime thing. Um, I mean, just to just to go off of what you're saying here, it you could certainly frame it in terms of uh, of issues that have been that have been around in you or been around in me since childhood that it's taking a lifetime to work through and progress progress through and make changes. Absolutely. And another way of saying it is also we, or another way of noticing it for people listening would be if you don't notice it in terms of where you came from in your childhood and what you're still working through, you might notice it in, gosh, you and I have been here before. We've had this conflict before. We've had this conflict many times or something very similar. So we might just notice it as you and I have dealt with this many times and mm-hmm. it's not fully resolved and it won't get fully resolved in the, mm-hmm. in the next month. Maybe that's because of where we've come from and what we're bringing to our relationship. Mm-hmm. Maybe we, we're not even aware of that, but we are aware of the fact that we've had this conflict many times. Either way, either way you realize that that's what's happening, it doesn't mean that there can't be momentary resolutions. Yeah that are, are satisfying and intimacy-making in the moment. Yeah, and produce a certain pattern of this is what happens, this is where we go. When this comes up, we could end up in that place again of a resolution so that the fire grows, gets hotter, gets cooler, yes. and we know the pattern of that. It doesn't stop, but we know it so it's not so bad to ride. Yes. Like you and I ride... Lots of things much easier. One, because both of us have learned and grown. And right. you become more like me. I become more like you. Exactly. So to speak, we've yeah. integrated those particular things. Mm-hmm. But then we kind of go, oh, I know where we are. So there's a little lightness around mm-hmm. the difficulty that doesn't only get so absorbed in our positions or yeah. or wrestled into the hurt yeah. around that. I mean, as you've said, mm-hmm. you, you've become, or the way I would say it is, you've become a lot softer um, and more self, a lot more self-aware and so many ways in conflict over the t- course of our relationship from a more rougher past. Mm-hmm. I've become a lot more tolerant, for lack of a better word, of heat, mm-hmm. right? I can take a lot more heat than I used to. I was very uh, unable to sit in any kind of fire, as we say, you know, to sit in any kind of um, hotter mm-hmm. conflicts early on. It was too terrifying for me. So I can sit through a lot more of that, and I can even speak in a more heated way than yeah. I ever was. So we, you and I have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. That's why conflict is an area that we have a lot of thoughts about because we've been through big changes mm-hmm. over the course of our relationship yeah, in you this you become area. a lot more fiery at, at moments. Yeah. You know, not all the time as a style, but it's part of your style now mm-hmm. to yeah. escalate to yeah. bring things in to make things go hotter right. um, when they're too cool, when there's yeah. something around. Yeah. And I liked your your ideas about what those resolutions look like. That sense of, I feel closer. Mm-hmm. We haven't resolved the conflict in terms of what should we do? What's the decision we should make? Mm-hmm. What should we commit to? Those kind of things. But there's a feeling difference. Mm-hmm. That feeling 
shift in the field, in the water we're swimming in. That feeling shift mm-hmm. is really good as facilitator, I know. When I catch that, whoa, you look like you're smiling now when you're saying that. No longer look mm-hmm. bared teeth. You look like your body is relaxing and you're moving a little bit softly or mm-hmm. sitting back in your chair. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Because we haven't resolved the content. We should do this. You shouldn't do that. Yes. I should do that. This is what we're going to do. That's the, how we're going to resolve this from now on. Mm-hmm. But the bodies and the tones and the smiles mm-hmm. are different. Mm-hmm. And when people get a chance to express from that, they start mm-hmm. realizing, oh, I'm feeling close to you again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think we may have talked about that in an early one. Mm-hmm. It's so important to not get too locked into resolving the conflict. What should we do about yeah. the issue then? And really focus on the feeling experience of being together. And it does go back to our early mm-hmm. um, Maybe one of our first, maybe the first of our podcast. Maybe what we're looking for, what we're looking for, I'm going to cross out maybe, (laughs) what we're looking, let people disagree, (laughs) what we're looking for in the conflict resolution and in the relationship is it has a lot to do with the experience of being together. What's it like to be together, Mm -hmm. which has a lot to do with feelings and somatic connection with what's happening. You notice it in your body more than in your minds, ideas about mm. resolution, I'm feeling well or closer or more like myself or I'm getting you more mm. like you said. Mm. Those, that medicine, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think we need in the world because mm-hmm. we're not going to resolve right. vaccines, no vaccines. They're great. They're not good. They're, we're not going to resolve it in that way. Yeah. Um, some people will. Some people will change my mind. I, my mind has grown around that issue, for instance, sure. over time. And I, as I listen to more people. But the resolution that I think can happen, that we all need more help in, is how do we get along and have some intimacy? Not agreement. Not that we don't get have more conflicts with each other or mm-hmm. like each other only. Mm-hmm. But somehow, I'm glad that we had the conflict afterwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. if nobody changes their mind. That yeah. somehow... Ah, I think I got to know you. I still don't agree with you. Yes. You should always vaccine. No one should be forced. Whatever the positions are. Yes. Right? That somehow I'm like, this was a good conversation. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to hang out with you a lot, but I'm glad we had the conversation at <laughs> right. least. Right. And that's like a, that's a dream for the world, really. Yeah, really. That's beautiful. The word understanding comes to my mind. That there's somehow now more understanding. We understand each other better. Mm-hmm. On a feeling level, I feel you more. You feel me more. We understand each other mm-hmm. better, even if we didn't figure out what to do or do something differently. Yeah. And that has a kind of intimacy and connection. Mm. Cool. Lovely. That's such a sweet spot. We were thinking about giving a quick summary of our seven points, but I feel like we're there. And there were those of you who are in like more academic in certain ways and would love to have that list go back and do that but i think there's an feeling way mm-hmm. in the closeness with the audience mm-hmm. um ending with the sense about resolution and the touchingness of intimacy feels like yeah my brain says these yeah. are the points but it feels like and being we're talking about resolution let's leave it with the feeling yeah, yeah. that this is the momentary resolution this is the resolution to part one and part two yes. <laughs> we had seven points 
if you remember two or three or one, yeah. awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks for being with us through these, through our learning about clean conflict. And it's it's a pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Lisa, helpful. for organizing the two uh, podcasts and coming up with the lists and the points to discuss and leading this into them. You're so welcome. Okay. Okay, goodbye everybody. Bye. If you like this episode or learned something new, we would love if you would spread the love on social media and tell a friend about our podcast. As you know, word of mouth is everything. And if you really want to put a smile on our faces, subscribe to our podcast so you can be sure to receive all our future episodes. And while you're at it, write us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. To learn more, visit intodeep.com. That's I-N-T-W-O-D-E-E-P dot com. Music is In Orange Groove by Raphael Pistachio. In Too Deep is a Belly Song Press production. Mm-hmm.